Hey, so welcome to Brigham Young Money this week. Um, I'm joined here by Jordan Gregg, and we have a friend, Pete Saltis, on on the line with us. Pete, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, no problem. So Pete is the publisher of uh, Salt Lake City Weekly to talk about, um, well, today he's here to talk about this initiative that is going in Salt Lake right now. And uh, as many people have probably seen, um, there is a uh, problem that a lot of small businesses, a lot of mom and pop shops are facing. specifically though like restaurants and bars in particular um places where people eat and gather uh, and generally have to use their mouths are really struggling right now um during the pandemic and um yeah so pete do you want to tell us a little bit about the initiative sure you guys are talking about the save save our jobs that's, initiative. you're dead yeah, right save, save utah jobs yes so basically that's a a consortium of small businesses that have gotten together to kind of push our representatives, our elected officials on the state and federal level to help them through this rough patch, basically. Yeah. Um, it's not what they're asking for is not really a handout, really. It's just literally help, help with something, do something. Just there's so many things you could do outside of like handing people money, right? Like, you know, let go, like, pause pause rent stuff like that like stuff that yeah. the state can right. help with um basically what it is it's uh you, you know we're talking about bars and restaurants which since the beginning of the pandemic have been kind of uh on the outs on everybody's list of do not go here or you're gonna get sick right like um and in utah we opened up a lot earlier than in other places let people go back dining inside that's very much different than what you could do in new york or la say right so we started on that path of letting people in early um for better or worse but you know what these guys are saying is look at you know we were closed march april may most people stayed closed throughout the summer when we did see a dip in in cases right but what nobody talks about is the fact that some of them remain open and had to reopen after the summer they went as long as they could but as this pandemic progressed at the end of the day business owners have rent to pay rent to pay mortgages to pay utilities insurance there's a lot of hard costs with staying closed that people don't talk about um so basically it's like some of them just went as long as they could just staying closed and then opened up because they had to not just for themselves for their employees too i mean you're talking tens of thousands of jobs you know it's a it's a big part of utah's economy the tourism industry hospitality um and you know we're just talking bars and restaurants but i know people that haven't had a, a regular job since sundance of last year you know yeah um, yeah and like industry too yeah and as you mentioned like i mean the ones that stayed close as long as they could were obviously doing so because they thought um you know, that was the the responsible choice and the right thing to do. But like, we talked about this on our last episode, but we were, I mean, Mm -hmm. um, we specifically played a clip of this, like this dude in uh, Michigan, I believe it was, who is a small business owner. He he has a restaurant and he like interrupted like a live news coverage. Like he was in the background, like yelling (laughs) or screaming about whatever. And he, he came across as like very conspiracy minded, um, conspiracy theory minded and you can tell he's kind of like a right-wing dude but he was like 
I'm, I have to be open because I have like bills to pay. Like I, yeah. like I'm a business that has to, I, I have a lease on this building. I have employees that I have to pay. Like I need to be open and like the government, if they're not going to help me, they can't tell me to stay closed. And he's right. Like, and so we were, I mean, we're very sympathetic to like the, the situation that everyone's been put in, like a specifically people who work and own these businesses. Um, because I this one is, of my, I had one of my good friends who had to shut his restaurant down last week. And it's, you know, it's one of the crown jewels of Salt Lake city palette. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's, it's always in the top 10 restaurants Absolutely. and yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal place to eat. Uh, Buzz Wiley, my buddy, incredible chef, one of the best chefs in the state. And it was, it's everything that we've already, we've already talked about here where it was like the hard costs were so expensive that they weren't able to, to, to make it. And it's, it's not just palate, like it's becoming ubiquitous throughout mm-hmm. the restaurant industry. Yep. I think we're up to something like 500 bars and restaurants in Utah. Oh, really? Like 475. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like, even with the ones that are opening, like the demand isn't the same. So like, um, I mean, there are a, a lot of like, you know, I'm thinking about Matt Gates, that crazy dude with the gigantic head congressman from Florida. And he just tweets like, <laughs> open everything up. And it's like, yeah. well, things are open, but that's not going to magically make everyone feel comfortable going. Like, no. it's not like everyone is just sitting in their homes being like, oh, if only the government would let me go to my favorite restaurant, I would with my whole family. Like, that's not the case. And yeah. so literally, like, there's just been no help at all like the the ppp was um somewhat of a a a failure but um it's just yeah it's it's chaotic the the ppp i mean yeah sure it was a lifeline in the spring but i mean i can point you to you know several dozen bars and restaurants that at the time it was initiated you had eight weeks to spend whatever money you had Basically, it was the government's way of saying, we want our employment numbers to look good. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. so, bars and restaurants that were still closed, but paying payroll, rent, utilities, et cetera, with that money. It's like the money wasn't used to drive revenue. It was literally just used to hide the real unemployment number. So that even when they extended it, most places I know had already burned through most of their money, A, catching up on you know, what you said. I mean, we're talking like shutdowns in Utah started March 16th before the day before St. Patty's day, but talk to bars and restaurants before that they were already at, to your point, to your point, Greg, it's like, they were already at like 50% right. revenues prior to this lockdowns. People were not going out. I know concerts that canceled from January on, you know, musicians weren't touring. Like our economy was coming to a screeching halt. Anyway, um, right. you were talking about how to restore consumer confidence and, saying open everything up 100% capacity is not going to do that out of the gates. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, so this initiative in in particular, like there are restaurants, bars like Alibi, Waterwitch, Stateroom, Dulcetti Gelato um, have like, so I mean, it's it's businesses that that everyone knows and loves that are local restaurants that are like desperately asking for this help. And um, something really frustrating that we talked about last time as well is that like, um, I mean, 
the way that like our our federal government functions in that like these gigantic bills have to contain i mean we've had one thing pass back in was, was that may at this point i don't remember yeah but it's this, like the cares act yeah the yeah, lack of like actually like a targeted focus on something right. like this bill only sends out $1,200 checks to everyone. That's right. all this bill does. Or this bill only sends money or this bill is only like a rent moratorium or right. mortgage moratorium. Um, or like, I mean, even for businesses in particular, um, none of that stuff like ever happened. So here we are in December and nothing has come for these people. So right. um, and that's what the Save Our Jobs is asking for is right. targeted right. just... Stop adding all the fluff. Help us get through this because the winter is going to be. I saw a tweet. Uh, I think it was a couple of days ago that kind of just stopped me in my tracks. Like one of those like, oh, holy shit kind of things. And yeah. uh, the guy said, I received my stimulus check on May 5th. It's, you know, December 7th. I did the math and that adds up to like $4 and 67 cents yeah. a day. Yeah. It's like, I can't fucking pay my rent. I mean, we, yeah. we, we talked about the last <laughs> episode too, where essentially if you break it down, like the 1200 bucks, it's 133 per month. Yeah. And that's not good for anything. Eat rocks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's absolutely insane. Um, so like, and, and on, on the flip side, the stuff that has been done to like limit them even more, um, we made a bit of a mockery about like the mandate, like when, you know, mm -hmm. things got really, really bad and we had passed the election. So they didn't have to be scared anymore or whatever. Yeah, like we yeah. got the mandate about how, I mean, we got the mask mandate, but then also that bars could no longer serve alcohol bars and restaurants, right. Can't serve alcohol after 10 PM. Yeah. That's... Do you know like much about like the impact? And I'm sure you've talked to businesses about that. Oh. Like what yeah. the hell do you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the idea, the press conference was weird. I mean, it was just a weird one to kind of get a recap on and watch, you know. It's and like, it was late on like a Sunday night, right? Yeah. I think when yeah. He, yeah. And then when people asked about it, you know, everybody's, every, every day, every press conference for the last like two months, they've been talking about how they can trace the contact, like the, yeah. the spread to private parties, people, you know, they weren't going out. Clearly I could tell you some numbers that you'll just be like, Oh shit. You know, but uh, we'd love to get into those, right? Last, like, <laughs> yes. oh, we'll get, we'll get into some <laughs> yeah. the last two months. That's what people were hearing. Like every day at these press conferences, you know, you got people coming into your house, just stop that. Because when you, yeah. even when you're in your house, you're in somebody's home, you're, you're less guarded. Right. Right. So, you know, it, we're getting into the winter months, you know, the patio parties or whatever people are having, stay outside. Those, those aren't happening. You're inside. That's what they're calling like the danger zone. Right. So, you know, they hadn't traced anything back and our bars and restaurants have been open since May. So for them to come down at the, you know, the beverage industry like that, one of the questions asked was like, but you've been saying that we've opened safely or as safe as can possibly be. They've had you know, the health department been going around and checking on people. And that's what they, you know, that even more so than before, the health department is God when you run a business or an event, like they can shut you down pre-COVID if you don't adhere to their rules, right? So yeah. they were going around, you know, diligently making sure that people were adhering to the six foot rules by the tables, the capacity requirements. And to my knowledge, especially in Salt Lake, like there weren't people, there were a handful of <laughs> dumb business owners 
but for the most part, vast majority operated safely. So what the 10 o'clock thing did, it stops the, you know, the 10 to one crowd, which is tends to be kind of the younger crowd, the crowd that, you know, doesn't really, they're, they're not fearing for themselves, you know, that's, it was, it's definitely targeted in that sense. Right. So yeah. But what it did is it didn't just stop people from going out at 10 o'clock to one o'clock. It just stopped them going out, which again, we're in a pandemic probably yeah. the thing that people aren't gathering, but you're talking like the hope that businesses had over the summer was to take, you know, with the 50% capacity move, shift the business over. So some places did it appropriately and, and sustained without any federal aid or without any grants it was a sustainable level and nobody's trying to get rich right now. They just want yeah. to break even like we talk, right. you know, pay the bills by spreading people out, you know, encouraging people to come on a Monday, Tuesday, two o'clock for lunch instead of, you know, noon by doing stuff like that, getting creative. They, it offered a path to sustainability with that 50% requirement. What the 10 o'clock thing did, it just shook a just lot of captain staying, yeah, staying back. So you're talking some businesses that were operating, you know, 30 to 50%, because now you, you guys brought up Water Witch and Alibi. So think about how small those places are and how many small places have. Yeah. With yeah. feet requirement per table, they're not getting close like to you're 50% not, capacity yeah. at any time. You're not so going to Alibi, right? Right. Well, say they're at 100% capacity with the new requirements. And, you know, I've got a friend with a restaurant, they've got 47 seats. You can't seat people six feet apart and still get 23 people in. So your capacity is actually 15, you know, so you're yeah. doing a third of the Jesus. business at best. And then people <clears throat> don't go out at all. So I know places that were doing under 10% previous year's revenues after the 10 o'clock mandate. Now just ask yourself, it's been a month, like how many people can go nine months now at under 50% of their previous income? and then get kneecapped at under 10% with nothing coming. Not a thank you for your financial sacrifice, not like here's free rent for a month, nothing. Just see ya and screw ya, you know? Yeah, just pat on the back and good luck, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So that's all that these people are asking for with our Save Our Jobs is to A, recognize that they're making a, fin a financial sacrifice that nobody else is making right now. They cannot work from home and it is very callous to say, go get another job somewhere else. Learn to code. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. insane. It's absolutely insane. I mean, especially with, I mean, all of us just here, but we have all come to like know and love a lot of restaurants, bars, coffee yeah. shops or whatever in the city yeah. and like get to know the people who work there. And that's mm -hmm. a really special thing to be able to have that, that in those relationships and those places that you go to. Sure. Um, and it's really hard to think about some of those places being gone. So like, what do you think, I mean, assuming no fault or no help does come, but even if some does, and it might be this month, but it might be, you know, February or at the soonest or something like that. Sure. What do you think we're looking at fallout wise here with like the number of businesses that we're going to be losing? Uh, Michael McHenry from, you know, the like Ginger Street provisions. Open yeah. Fire Kitchen, he, he predicted we're at 500 now. He predicted at least another 500 by early spring. Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe more depends on how bad winter is. <clears throat> You're talking restaurants that, you know, do well with Christmas time is generally like hit and miss anyway, whether or not your place can get those holiday Christmas parties, the, the company parties, which nobody is doing. This year. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I worked at log Haven, uh, for about three and a half years and, yeah. 
the only reason that place is able to stay open in the winter time for the most part is because of the big Christmas parties. They make almost all of their money in the summertime doing weddings and events. And yeah. the, the, the restaurant is kind of like side supplementary income. Yeah. Wow. And, <clears throat> you know, and it's usually like, that's a huge cash cow for them and they do really well. But when you eliminate corporate parties in the winter and you're certainly not doing big weddings, like how do you expect to right. recoup? How do you expect to stay afloat? I think Michael's numbers on the Michael's numbers probably on the low end. Um, Basically, what what business owners are doing now, like I just told you, like there's more than more than there should be doing around ten percent of last year's revenues. Which again is here's how unsustainable it is. It is more, it is (laughs) less expensive for some bars and restaurants to be fully closed, one hundred percent. Than it is to operate at ten percent. You guys all know it very yeah. well. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, employment costs. So basically, the only reason why the employers are taking a, another hit is so that their employees can put food on the table, rent. And some of them, from what I've heard, are having to make those hard choices. Do I pay for groceries this month, or do I pay my fucking rent? Like, oh my god. That's yeah. the fallout. The fallout is what's going to happen with the literally tens of thousands yeah. of people in this sector without without some kind of help yeah i mean i don't even know it's at a human level it's just like it's incomprehensible that we could like let people or or you know let this happen but for the people who are so who who it's easy to tune that type of thing out like um and 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 who like going downtown you know with their families or whatever for dinner or whatever like i mean we're already looking at like a a cityscape that's just like luxury condos exclusively um so like uh, even if you are able to ignore the people who can't pay their rent because they don't have jobs because of all of this it's like you're gonna be losing things that you cherished (laughs) as well it's like yeah i it's 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 incomprehensible to me I had one of those like really heartbreaking experiences the other day where i was craving falafel and i went to my like favorite spot that i normally go it's just curry kebabs right on second yeah. south and main street and i i walk in and they're just totally shuttered and it's one of those just like heart sinking moments because it's like yeah they're one of one of hundreds and it's just like fuck yeah. where does this the, where does this that end that spot in? in the c store yeah, yeah. in the, oh, in the, the convenience store like yeah one of my favorite places the best place to get falafel and shawarma right. in salt lake oh i didn't yeah. know that was closed but right there on the right there on the block is the you know the Goldman Sachs building right there yep. across the street and Wells Fargo across the street like the dichotomy is crazy the yeah. juxtaposition there is but like when everyone's disgusting. working from home and those gigantic office buildings aren't full of people who are going to these places oh. for lunch every day like people aren't going to uh, I mean it, it's called Korean kebabs I never even knew what that place was called I just went mm-hmm. there all the time when I worked in <laughs> literally the sign is they have a a frame sign and that's about it yeah <laughs> yeah that's it's, all I knew by. I it's worked such in a, two, it's two, such two. a hole in the wall. Yeah, yeah I worked in two to two, and it's yeah, yeah it always go right there. You um, have to basically be a downtown person and know it's there, but mm-hmm. those are the people that work downtown, you know. Yeah. So like, how? What is? I mean, and I feel bad because like I don't go out to eat. Like I haven't, I haven't gone, I haven't eaten at inside a restaurant. I mean, I would get really, I'm immunocompromised, so I'm not rushing to go out. But it's like I got, like the choices that everyone's being forced to make because of this like societal fail failure is just, yeah it's just it's just awful so um 
I mean, overall, like, do you know specifics of what's being asked for in that package other than like targeted, targeted relief for these businesses? Targeted relief for the businesses. They're asking for like an extension of, you know, unemployment benefits. Yeah. Um, because again, when you're operating at 50%, they have employees that they haven't brought back. Mm-hmm. Um, so help those people that are a either still looking for jobs, which I don't know if anybody's looking for a job right now. Clearly it's not like the best job market. No, it's not. And like, you know, people being put on furlough at at the beginning of the pandemic um, with the added unemployment bonus on top of that, like Mm -hmm. that did a lot of help for a lot of people. And in fact, Mm -hmm. like brought a lot of people out of poverty during that time (laughs) and being able to put people like in that situation, like that was an actually helpful thing that happened at the beginning of the pandemic. And that has Mm -hmm. since expired. And obviously the pandemic is worse than ever before. So yeah, um, yeah it would definitely make sense. I mean, for these, these businesses that can't bring all their employees back, right. it's often more helpful for the employees to be put on furlough and then being able to um, get on unemployment for a while and hopefully be brought yeah. back after. Yeah, Cause it can't, I mean, I, I, I talked to a restaurant owner that did, what was it? What was the lowest number I've heard? I think they did like $63 on a Monday. Pay for your food, pay for your rent, pay for the employees that you have to make to generate $63 in a single day. Come on. Like, no chance. <laughs> no yeah. chance at all. So if you're working on tips, so aside from places being short staffed right now, you're working for, you know, I don't even want to use round numbers, but you're not even making 50% of what you did before. Like, no. it's nuts. And on top of that, so aside from the federal unemployment, the 600 that expired in, I think the end of end of July, beginning of August, yeah, we're getting to the point where I think it's, <laughs> how crazy is this? Right before Christmas is when all of the, the Utah, state of Utah's extension ends. Yeah. They did yeah. a 13 week extension, October, November, December, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, go kick rocks again. You know? Yep. And they're not even talking about that to extend that through the winter. Right. And a ton of um, <clears throat> like, municipal uh rent or excuse me eviction moratoriums ran out this month or are going to Mm -hmm. run out this month Mm -hmm. and people are going to start getting uh evicted in mass um in winter in the middle of a pandemic yeah yeah did you guys see that video i I think it was in portland everyone like kicking that police car yeah yeah it stopped them from from doing that but um Mm -hmm. so how can people like we but how can anyone help support the initiative uh, you know, I think a fully understand what's going on. You know, there's, there's not just, it's not just that they're banging to be open, you know, and doing so in a irresponsible way. Yes, yeah. they're definitely outliers, but I will tell you that the majority of the people that we talk to on a daily basis want to do it as responsibly as possible. They want to be open as responsibly as possible and literally skate through the rest of this year. Nobody's trying to like have a record year for the most part. And again, there are outliers of places that are crushing it right now. You know, um, I think like, uh, you know, home and garden places, fix it up, whatever, you know, yeah, fine. Yeah, Cause people are stuck at home, just like staring at their four walls all day. It's like, <laughs> I need to fix this. Bike shops are doing well too. People are selling a lot of bikes. Right. So I turned my office into a home gym because I got tired of looking at the fucking walls That's and awesome. not going to the gym. Same. <laughs> That's what yeah. we do. So yeah, I would say one, understand like the the whole dynamic of what's going on. I think that that helps. So it's like what I what I started doing, people were, you know, City Weekly was posting about like, hey, this special's going on here, blah, blah, yeah. blah. 
you know, you shouldn't be promoting people's open. Everybody needs to stay home. And I just came back like you pay their rent then I'll send you the, I'll send you their Venmo, you know, like, mm -hmm. so a understand that they're not open to do anything more than make sure that their employees have a job, make sure that they're not going to get kicked out of their establishments for non-pay. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's hugely important too. I think all those guys at like water, Witch alibi, they're always, they're constantly promoting it. So, you know, you have a petition on there and I don't know how, effective those are but basically when you sign a petition you can see that numbers are good in mass and that you know yeah when everybody a understands what's going on and b like has a loud voice together that's when you can start to get people sympathizing with you on capitol hill but the message has to be consistent and you know it's not a it's not a party out there and that's what the that's what the 10 o'clock thing did it tried to shut down the the party atmosphere and that's yeah Mike, yeah. it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. We still got to really, really push for those at-home cocktail kits. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So, yeah, people should absolutely call their representatives or contact them or, like, tweet at them because, yeah. um, as we've learned, they often read those. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so understand that, that that's a big problem for the culture of Salt Lake. When you lose somebody like Alec, come on. That was one of the first nice restaurants to open up on the west side of downtown. Like that just spread downtown out a little bit, made it more of a destination. They were one of the first ones. They they made a they gambled on the west side of downtown Salt Lake. Absolutely. And then this happens to them and it's devastating. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, do you have any recommendations for how people can support the businesses directly? Um, okay. I mean, obviously we want people to contact representatives because we are dealing with it. We're all in a weird spot where we have been failed by everyone that should not have yeah. failed us. But like, there are people like the three of us are in a more fortunate position than a lot of people who, I mean, um, sure. I work, I'm able to work from home so I can like, and I'm not spending money on going out like I used to. So yeah. I've been buying gift cards. <laughs> yeah. Gift cards are great. Um, Utah did one of the it was good and good and bad ish. The the shop in Utah grants, if you guys have seen those, yeah, yeah. So Utah issued a bunch of grants where they would pay, they would subsidize the difference on offering discounts, right? So buy those gift cards when you see them, and then buy them from places that didn't get those shop in Utah thing. Because what the grant does is it puts money in your pocket before you even sell your gift cards or whatever you're doing to your discounts. So you know that's and then you got to then you do have to honor those discounts by the end of the year. And so that's a great way. And there's a list on the, the GoEd website um, where they have everybody that got the shop in Utah thing. So those are the people that are offering at least 50% off. You know, some depends on what they're doing. Some could get creative and just do two for one appetizers, two for one entrees, whatever. And it's um, it's not just restaurants, right? Like there's like services. a bunch of stuff on yeah, there. Yeah. 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 We were talking about the hospitality service bars, but yeah, there's a yeah. um, bar, you know, barbershops that got it. You know, those, those are, those little services are also struggling too, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, gift cards are great because it puts money in their pocket now and, you know, they're not going to, and if you use it whenever, I guess, but like use it, not, not this year. Yeah. Use it next <laughs> yeah. year. Get the money coming Put back. them in your pocket. Yeah. Like, I mean, like a lot of places are like, uh, um, like three cups and holiday. They're offering like, you could buy like a $50 gift card for like 40 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Wow. So th there are a lot of places that do stuff like that and um, kicks yeah. the can down the road a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like, I think it's a good thing that everybody's like kind of cooking from home more or whatever home cooked meals, but you know, maybe, you know, if you if your budget's, you know, two meals a week to, to go out, then do that at a local place. Don't go to McDonald's. Don't go to, you know, 
get some takeout. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know those guys have. I know those guys have drive-throughs. It makes it easy. We don't have a lot of locals with drive-throughs. You know, there's there's plenty of locals with drive-throughs that you can support. Absolutely, but you know, maybe do an Uber Eats from a local place. You know, and uh, if if that's your comfort level, but yeah, I would still say like, just shift your money from, you know, supporting like a multinational chain or you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big chain mm-hmm. to you know coming in local. Just bring make sure that our our money stays in our economy here let it circulate a little bit. Yeah. Cause we are going to be, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really, we got to value these places while we have them. Um, cause it's, yeah. yeah. That's something um, that we haven't really touched on, but I mean, yeah. Talking, like this is the culture of Salt Lake that brings the tourism dollars mm-hmm. in, in the good years. It brings the businesses, it brings like the talent from other, other States here and they're not going to do so. It <clears> are, you know, if our if we don't have live music, if we don't have good bars, if we don't have good restaurants, if we don't have local coffee shops, like I know this because I work downtown and I know those businesses that moved into into Salt Lake, like that's why they moved here because our culture shifted in the last five years to having more of those, you know, walking distance and you know broader broader expansive like cultural things to do. You know, totally. Do I'm I'm old enough to remember when Salt Lake had like nothing but just shitty chain restaurants <laughs> yes. like yeah early early 90s yeah. to even like mid to late 90s like pre uh olympics there yeah. was not a restaurant or a culinary scene in utah no Olive outside Garden. of like ruth's diner all of <laughs> like bill that's italian in downtown yeah and like bill yeah. and ada's may you know rest in yeah. peace oh yeah but, <clears throat> but like that's one of my favorite things about Salt Lake is like pre-pandemic, Salt Lake really was going through this incredible yeah. renaissance yeah. where the economy was booming. Uh, a lot of people were moving in. Um, we have Silicon Slopes and a bunch of jobs coming in. So you were getting this influx of new people and culture and influence and the restaurant scene was getting really, really good. And you were starting to get little like one-off restaurants. You know, you have restaurants like Pretty Bird that just specialize in Nashville hot chicken, or, you know, there's like a noodle spot now. Whereas like before it was just like a place that had some shitty cheesecake factory type menu. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm thinking of the fallout of these little mom and pop independently owned restaurants. That stuff's going to go away, guys. We're not going to have yeah. the noodle shop on the corner anymore. We're not yeah. going to have the Nashville fried chicken spot, everything else that, like, everybody has come to love. And yeah. if we really don't, like, yeah, band together, it's it's yeah. going to go it's gonna go to the wayside. And all we're going to have again is Olive Garden and Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, we're going to become Orem. Yes. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I, I moved there for a reason. There is that there is that pho place in Orem called Pho King though, which is interesting. <laughs> the Pho King Orem. Yeah. I'm surprised that place hasn't gotten firebombed. Isn't that yet, crazy? I'll be honest. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I went to the. I was able to go to like the uh, like s- exclusive pre grand opening of Ginger Street, and I was like, damn, this. I was like, this feels tight. Like this is yeah. we're, we're we're heading in a cool direction, and yeah. the best Dan Dan noodles I've had. Yeah, that was good since stuff. living in Philly. So um, just closing out, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about City Weekly? I, I'm curious how things are going for you guys over there and like how we can support the, the paper as well, because sure. um, I think just recently we had like um, the one in Davis County, like that really old ass paper, 130 something years, just mm-hmm. like shut down. So 
yeah tell tell us tell us how things are going and how uh how how we can support well i mean we're we're inherently tied to the hospitality industry most of our advertisers are bars restaurants uh clubs concerts community events yeah basically all the places that got banned this year um aside from that like our biggest revenue source of the year is our uh i don't know if you guys have been but you guys can get some tickets i'll, I'll hook you up with some tickets next year but we run the utah beer festival oh yes uh, hell yes yeah so there, that <laughs> that's that's the another point. thing that like there are so many good local breweries in salt lake yes. like you would never ever think it and i know they're struggling as well yep like one of like one of the cool spots that just opened um you know friends of ours now we met them during the pandemic ironically but like they were supposed to open on march 17th grid city beer you know is that the day that rudy gobert got COVID? i think it was that sounds uh, march 11th oh march yeah, 11th. that, that was the day <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so they were supposed to open on saint patty's day and then uh that was the day that the 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 first lockdown took effect oh um, so they again they were one of those that stayed closed as long as they could they opened up in july i think july or august and you know waited another few months but I think we had another one up in Ogden, Ogden River Brewing opened up during the pandemic because again, like these are leases that people signed, like you have no yeah. choice. Yeah, that's another one that, um, you know, I think we're up to, we're, we're over 33, I think, breweries now. But yeah, those, those, that was the, the last five years to your point, Greg. It's yeah. like, the last five years we saw a big boom in, in that industry too. Like that's, you know, some of their models on the, on the, um, on the brewery side is not not like the big ones you know you're, you're drinking a uinta tonight they do a, a great job of distribution um some of the smaller ones their model is brew it in the back serve it up front you know yep Requ that requires people to come in they're not in the smiths they're yeah. not in the Harmons yet you know maybe yeah. they want to be down the line but that is that is a sustainable model in a, in a good time for a small brewery you know not happening this year you know yeah. So, I mean, it, sorry, I didn't, I just, uh, no, I just, you're totally fine. Well, I mean, it speaks to how interconnected, like all of the, all of yeah. this, this is, I mean, if you've seen yeah. city weekly, obviously, as you mentioned, it's incredibly um, dependent, but also yeah. uh, it's dependent, but the, the businesses are also, they take out ads for a reason. Yeah, um, and they don't necessarily have a lot to advertise when, you know, people aren't going to so. line up music lineup bad you know? no, yeah. yeah absolutely not and also i i'm a big fan of alt weeklies anyway just because i feel like they fill a void in like local journalism that big papers don't really fill because i yeah. one, one of the thing that gravitated me towards the city weekly when i was in high school and things like that is because the trip and the trip and the desert news would never cover half the stories i was actually interested in yeah. as a high schooler yeah. but city weekly did yeah. and i think it's a very important part of our community too so thank you yeah. yeah and yeah, people don't understand like the house of cards that that right. comes crumbling down in in a pandemic like this like it's you know it's city weekly whose advertisers are restaurants you know and if these restaurants shutter that hurts we're also talking about farms and local food suppliers like if they don't yeah. if yeah. they don't have restaurants to sell their food to then yeah. they go under as well like it's this huge domino effect so if we're not like you have to understand that your dollar is going so much further than just supporting a restaurant right right you're supporting yeah you're supporting advertisers you're supporting media you're supporting farmers 
you like your, your food guys like yeah the, exactly the guys that clean the rugs you know also like nicholas and company cisco like, a, mm-hmm. like big businesses that are getting decimated right now yeah. like, literally we live in a society yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like seriously uh buy and spend local especially if you're going to be buying presents and everything yeah. this year um Try to spend as much money locally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to help them. That's the best way to help City Weekly. So I appreciate you asking. But yeah. Yeah. Jeff Bezos doesn't need your money. No, he does not. (laughs) Absolutely not. We don't need to talk about how many more billions of dollars the billionaires got. (laughs) And a Crown Burger tastes so much fucking better than a Whopper. Yeah. That's right. You're going to make my cousin happy. (laughs) Oh, yes. That's right. With a last name like Saltus, I imagined uh, you were gonna come in here defending the chain. The the Greek, yeah, we got a lot of Greek restaurant, Greek chains here. That's yeah, right. The Greek food in Salt Lake is so good. They're all so good. Yeah, I almost went into into that when I was talking about some of the local places. Yeah, we're <laughs> yes. gonna forget somebody. And Why do we good. have so many Greek places here? I I don't know. I mean, you know, there there's. It, when the Greeks came over, that was like the the quickest way to get jobs, right? Like you can be it. Everybody's even now. Before yeah. people were always needing help in the kitchen, so that was like a, an easy place for people to go. For the last wave of like Greeks, Greek immigrants that we had, you know, my family came to work at Kennecott, but the more yeah. recent ones, you know, that's what they did. There, that, that's part of our culture, really. Our culture is like a hospitable culture, so you know. There's always been Greek bars, Greek restaurants in Salt Lake since there's been Greeks. That's again, we were very welcoming people. So, you know, food comes naturally to Greeks. You know, I don't have my full body on this video here, but <laughs> I'm not shy about the food I eat. Sometimes. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Hey, so Pete. You know, natural thing for them to have a restaurant. Totally. Um, well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and talking about it. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's been awesome. And, um, yeah, if you got any more plugs to throw them out there, please do. Yeah. I just, uh, I just always like to say support local man. Always. Okay. Best oh, yes. thing to do, you know, agree. And, and yeah. for the listeners, you can go to save and <clears throat> sign up. I, I'm not sure if you can donate there but i know you can get on a mailing list and and a newsletter and stay abreast of this situation yeah awesome all right thanks so much pete all right thanks pete thanks for having me see you cheers when you're alone and life is making you lonely you can always go downtown when you've got worries all the noise and the hurry seems to help i know Downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Linger on the sidewalk where the neon signs are pretty. How can you lose the light so much brighter there? You can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares. So go downtown, things will be great when you're downtown. No final place for sure. All right, so we're back. We're the boys are back. The absolute boys are back. Greg's drinking a rose beer. Um, and fancy bitch right now. It's real right. fancy boy hours. 
Yeah, just a quick follow-up on that interview with Pete. Um, super solid guy. Uh, but really, like, the situation is incredibly dire. Like, it can't be... And it, it really fucking sucks trying to, like, put this on, like, up to individuals to save. But, like, as we're all... I mean, we do live in a society and we all spend money on different things. Um, please do your best to spend your money local as much as you possibly can. Um also like local grocery stores as well. But like when, like if, if you have a budget to go eat out, um, get takeout somewhere, uh, just buy gift cards, buy local as much as you possibly can, because we're going to be losing a lot of beloved businesses, unfortunately. Um, but on that note, how are you guys doing? Jordan, I, you're looking particularly cheery today. Um, I, just had a hot chocolate so you know it's peppermint too so i'm very festive it's it's wonderful um sugar high is happening right now probably not gonna sleep tonight that's awesome nice but yeah Simply i'm doing good having a wonderful christmas time that's right greg and how are greg you doing? ruined it with the worst paul mccartney song ever yes <laughs> i don't know he wasn't the beatles oh wings greg. was better okay i'm gonna that's my standing ground wings was better than the beatles my my thing always has been is that out of all of those bands that came out in the '60s from England, the Rolling Stones are the best. I just I I'm pretty indifferent to be honest. Like I just don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't know. That, that all was like music that came out 30 years before. I, was I remember. Born. I remember I seeing. Care. I know. I, I remember seeing. Uh, um, like the Rolling Stones perform at that Super Bowl, and I was like, these guys are old as hell. <laughs> like this is weird. Um, the the music that I the weirdly the only old music that I do like um, is like some of like that old school folk music, and I, I I've like I don't like country music, and I but for some reason I've always liked that old school like you know I, I listened to Bob Dylan when I was in high school and like a lot of people around that time, and then it wasn't until later I found out like they were all communists and like <laughs> I, I like I was like oh oh okay. yeah. Oh, okay, like Pete Seeger. Okay, yeah, all right, I got this. I did um, not know so, that about Pete Seeger, but that uh, makes sense now. Yeah, all those. Yeah, like I didn't really realize what I was listening to until like. Hold up, I, are you telling me Woody Guthrie is a communist? Okay, well, Woody Guthrie is the reason I have a "This Machine Kills Fascist" sticker on my bike. Yeah, dude, I I just like I mean, folk music was where it was at. I was like, yeah, that early, early 20th century, like, you know, communist socialist revival. That was, uh, was an interesting time. Um, I, so I told the, I told these guys earlier today, I've had like the weirdest day probably of my life. Well, uh, this year just cannot fucking stop. So at the, I, I used to work for a startup that was acquired by a larger company and that was a public company and then within a year they took are the company that public company was was taken private and it was acquired by private equity and as private equity does they gutted a large part of the company including and there were multiple rounds of layoffs and then earlier this year um i think it was june i got laid off and um i found so i i looked for a job like most of June, all of July, um, and then found a job at the end of July, started beginning of August. I just got word today that the company that laid me off is now acquiring the company that I 
got hired at. So now I'm like back, I guess. And honestly, I, I'm it's it's probably going to be fine. But I, the thing that's just driving me insane is that um, when I first got acquired by this company, that's acquiring my company for the second time. I lost like a very important doctor to me because my insurance changed. And since I started this new company, I got to see that doctor again. And it's been great. And now it looks like I'm going to lose access to that doctor again because she'll be out of network. So I was told that if I like my doctor, <laughs> I can keep my doctor. Kyle, uh, I'm just glad you can experience the efficiency of capitalism in every form possible. It is so great. Like, I would just love for someone to explain the role of private insurance. Just 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 one person like on like some politician that defends the system to just be asked, can you explain the role and why we need that that role of private insurance? Could you please? Like, why do we need that? Well, Kyle, let me try. We need private insurance because we can't allow something to go without a profit being made off of it. That's right. Because if we do that, that's communism and communism is bad. I mean, I just can't like I, I think about Obamacare and how many times I was told that was socialism when I when, when I was younger. And I just remember <laughs> hearing about the socialist Obamacare. There is nothing more neoliberal that I can in, in that I can imagine in my mind than Obamacare. I don't think you could come up with anything. It's no, it's literally a government program. There was a government mandate to buy private insurance. A government mandate to buy private insurance. Private health insurance. Private health insurance, along with subsidies based off of wages that you had. So you're means testing it from there. Yeah. But also those subsidies made it so your your plans were even shittier. So your like copay and premiums would just be yeah. outrageous. But you had insurance. We it is we made it more accessible. Incredible. It's incredible. That's, it's and that's just, the only thing. Like, that's always, like, the big feather in the cap on, like, the big talking points. It's not, like, you'll actually get health care. It's, no, you can get, you get access. It was, you, have the, you have the ability to acquire health insurance. It was the greatest health care bill ever passed, which is why a decade later we're all talking about how we need to improve it, including the people who authored it in the first place. Insane. It's insane. Anyway. So, uh, uh, looking forward gentlemen. to dealing with that. Uh, I would like to inform you that, uh, well, uh, I have to apologize because it uh, seems that after a decade, uh, well, I fucked up. Dude, he would never admit that he fucked up. No, of course up. not. No. But, I mean, God, that's, that's why he, like, essentially cleared the field for Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden is the ultimate, I didn't fuck up. Here's this guy. Man. Let me be clear. This is uh, actually on you, and uh, it's your fault for being poor. Oh, speaking of senility, did you guys see like that New Yorker article that just barely came out about how uh, Diane Diane Feinstein, Feinstein. Is, yeah is <laughs> essentially senile? Are you serious? Yeah, like there's been murmurings about it for like years now, but essentially it came out there was like she's lost a step with a lot of quotations around step. Amazing! That's great. That's really uh, awesome. Capital S T E P. Did you guys listen to that Bad Faith episode with Cornell West and uh, Trisha Rose? Wonderful. It was so good. It was so good. I could listen to it. I didn't know Cornell West had a podcast, which is with Trisha Rose. She's a professor as well. But uh, I love um, him. Dude, I could listen to Cornell West talk forever. He is so 
He's so good. No, he's the best. Yeah. Like, honestly, like Cornell West is like, he is like the one person that if he came out and like started supporting like mainstream Democrats, I would think that he had a brain tumor because it would just never make sense. Yeah. He's always spoken with like so much clarity of like what the project is and should be. It's just, it's crazy how, um, I mean, he, he talked about trying to like have conversations with Obama. Um, he sent, uh, um, oh, who was Obama's, her, her name is Valerie. Um, what's her name? Someone in Obama's cabinet called him like a traitor and like an anti-American. And Cornell said he took that as a compliment, but um, <laughs> what a King. I almost said yeah. Valerie Plain, but I was like, no wait, That's CIA agent. Hold on. Um, it's oh uh valerie jarrett I yeah believe. valerie jarrett who mm-hmm. is also like on the board of uber now yeah because of course yep. she is yeah of course she is and so yeah valerie jarrett called him that and like obama like yelled at him one time at like some gathering or something and then like wouldn't ever talk to him ever again so um yeah oh, <laughs> dr cornell west is great yeah I'm, i don't know if you guys know this but uh obama really doesn't like it when you speak truth to power on anything nope. especially about barack obama yeah, especially about Barack Obama. We talk a lot about Trump's narcissism, our narcissism, but like Obama's right up there, man. He's he's like, yeah, his is so weird. I like I, I I'm not gonna read his book, but he has like a certain type of like, um, I mean now he's he's got to do some work to repair his legacy because I mean especially with depending on how this Joe Biden presidency goes, is that like Obama's the guy that led to Trump, so. like how does that when that follows you like you're responsible to a certain degree of um yeah what happens barack obama's legacy is going to be essentially distancing himself from joe biden for the next four years yeah Uh, that's that's certainly he's just gonna be the mariah carey i don't know her yeah (laughs) oh let me be clear uh i had nothing to do with joe biden Dude, I would absolutely distance myself too. But uh, I mean, Joe. he he told him not to run in 2016. So <laughs> Joe, you don't have to do this. That's right, Joe. You uh, don't have to do this. Oh. Joe Biden, uh, actually, more like uh, Joe Burden. Yeah. Uh, nothing was <laughs> better Burden. than like than like like anonymously sourced like <laughs> Barack Obama quotes about Joe Biden while he was like losing primaries. I know. You know who can what fuck this up? Joe yeah. Biden. <laughs> It wasn't the quote like "Don't ever underestimate Joe Biden's ability to fuck things up." Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> now Insane. he's president. So we got him for the next <laughs> four years. <laughs> so oh good. man, this is gonna be a fun time. We're all gonna starve to death. <sighs> so, uh, speaking of the fun times that we're in, uh, over three thousand Americans died of COVID today. Woo! Which, of course, if we Move over, Dead. Battle of Antietam. We have another largest uh, amount of Americans killed by one event in a day. Insane. It's insane. I yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that up because it's it's insane. Um, um and also so, as of today, I think we're probably just we're in single digits in Utah away from hitting a thousand deaths, I'm sure. I yeah, we, we had nine ninety seven today, so we're broke we're gonna hit tomorrow. That's that's great. Um, this is like the like the worst time to ever like say we were right. 
Like I don't. It it just feels like it doesn't really give you any glee or anything like that. No, but it's, especially when you're seeing like state officials like like clap themselves on the back too. It's like we did it. We lowered the amount of cases per day from thirty one hundred to twenty nine hundred. Way to go, Utah! So yeah. I pulled up. I pulled up that tweet, and so the deadliest days in American history. Number one is the Galveston hurricane. Number two is uh, Antietam. Uh, number three uh, is today. Oh, the number, number four is 9-11. Number four is 9-11. Um, <laughs> num- number, number five Insane. is last, last Thursday. Number oh. six is last Wednesday. Number seven is last Tuesday. Number eight is last Friday. Number nine, Pearl Harbor. That's where we're at. Just the flu. Um, Goddamn. Just, just the flu. Just because we're going to hit like the total amount of we usually have deaths and with the flu every year in a week. Yeah. Yeah. Just the flu, everybody. Just the flu. Make sure um, you cough in each other's mouths as fast as you can. Oh, since we recorded last, uh, just just to give you the idea of like the, the uh, type of um, why this shit doesn't matter to a lot of powerful people. Rudy Giuliani both got COVID, went to the ho- hospital, and has now been discharged from the hospital because he got the same like miracle drugs that they give Trump that he claimed very um, particularly that all Americans would get. Uh, so he, we, we literally have decrepit Rudy Giuliani on radio shows talking about how incredible he feels today on the same day over America, 3,000 Americans died today. That's I'm just like, glad that they could give Rudy the uh, soiling green, but with like churned up uh, aborted fetuses like they gave Trump. Yeah, it's like it's 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 insane. Like if you're if you are at that level of, of power or in the circles of power, that's what you get. You get to be that type of person and just be totally fine after a day of COVID. I just hope, here's my only hope with this. Rudy's not going to die. I know we've moved beyond that. Not that we ever wanted him to die anyway. Got through a disclaimer there. Uh, well, I just hope he gets to go like back into court, but with like the same sort of like steroid high that Trump had for like dude, those two weeks. Oh my God. That's yes. right. That's the only thing we can really, uh, really hope oh, for. Oh man, that would be good. <laughs> well, hopefully that does happen. Um, so another thing though that's going on locally right uh, today, which in, I mean, maybe it didn't come out of nowhere. I haven't been paying much attention lately, just focused on all the other bullshit. But uh, Jordan, do you want to tell us what's going around, going on downtown right now? Uh, yeah, the incredible I, mess that Mayor Mendenhall has created. I certainly do. Um, so this involves Fleet Block downtown, which is uh, the place where they have all the Black Lives Matter murals, which are very important to the local community, especially when it comes right now to activism. Well, right now, Salt Lake City wants to have a new plan for what to do with that. Um, the city council pretty much already had a plan in place to turn those into parks, essentially. Just like leave the murals up, turn it into more of a public area for people to use. Well, that didn't quite work out for Mayor Mendenhall, who wants to turn it into like some sort of like incubation area for businesses and also like, yeah, all the buzzwords you want to use for like growing businesses, but essentially it just means they're going to turn it over to like the Woodbury or like the Loy Hansen or something like that to build some sort of like seven story monstrosity no one ever wants to go near. But we're going to do that. Oh, and in the process, they're clearing out the homeless encampments at that same fleet block. And also downtown at a Rio Grande because, well, next week there's a snowstorm. So it's about the best time to hassle homeless people and throw other belongings in the trash. 
Yeah. Dude, what, what, where do they want them to go? Like, I genuinely just want to know what their plan is. Cause you can't, they can't go to shelters right now. They're like completely full. Um, to hell essentially. Cool. All right. Yeah. Sick. So yeah, there, there, there is no plan for what to do with the winter time because as after all the wonderful plan that Salt Lake County and Salt Lake city came up with, with the homeless has less beds than they had before. So yeah. the shelters are all spread over the city too. And also people are afraid to go use them because there's not real good communication in between the shelters. So no one really knows what's full and what's not. So essentially they fuck the dog on this one too. It's just, they're punishing people for being poor and being homeless. Well, yeah. that's in line with everything else in American history. I mean, they're sure. just following tradition at this point. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Very good. Um, congrats to Mayor Mendenhall for all of her incredibly, uh, incredible hard work. Way um, to go, Bike Path Mayor. You strike again. Yes. You know, and- I, I see I see stuff like this, and it really uh, isn't surprising at all that she endorsed Pete Buttigieg. No, like it's they not, just seem like they just seem like kindred spirits. They are kindred point. spirits because Pete Buttigieg, when he was mayor of Saint Saint, uh, no, South exactly. Bend, not saying anything. Sorry, when he was mayor of South Bend, he was famous for tearing up homeless encampments. He was That's also right. famous for not doing anything about a very racist police department. Also right, yeah, weird. Uh, definitely but, cut from some cloth. Yeah, they're the, cut from the same cloth because essentially all that Mayor Mendenhall has done for Salt Lake City is, and this is what happens when you have a mayor who has no support from the West Side. All she's really done is push like improvements for like middle to upper class people within the city, which is really good for them. But at the same point too, all it does is really just push this the segments of society that they don't want to see onto just over the edge all the way. Yeah, and specifically with like the area, like you know, by the by the murals where that um, encampment was, like there's been um, a lot of community care that's actually been taking place mm-hmm. there. Um, and uh, Utah Mads, uh, friend of the pod, <laughs> that's funny. Um, She's not associated with her in any other way, legally or non-binding. I know. I was, I was gonna. Yeah, that's right. Um, Still have you, Mads. She, <clears throat> Yeah, sorry. Uh, she ex- um, tweeted out to call the mayor's office, and um, so I did that. I left a message. Uh, same so this, same this here too. Aaron Mendenhall's office eight zero one five three five seven seven zero four. Call and leave a message and say to one, leave the murals alone, and two, for good measure, stop destroying the property of people who don't have houses. So the great thing about Bike Path Mayor is, if you yell at her enough, she will stop things. Yeah, but you right. have to yell at her enough. There that's is right. the there is the famous story in the group chat about making Mendenhall cry. That's all I'll say about that. Yep. Um. So moving on to our second favorite Democrat, uh, I think he might. I think he takes takes the cake. He he's quite a peach. Uh, of course, we're talking about uh, lame duck Ben McAdams, who in his final few months of Congress is just showing up, um, still ringing the bell about human trafficking and also about how basically um, he got called a socialist and that's why he lost. He's showing up at noon, playing Minesweeper and then finding a reporter to tell him why we shouldn't move left. That's right. Learn to code, bitch. So... <laughs> uh, so I want to. We're going to read an article that um, the title of this is Utah Ben Re- Utah 
Representative Ben McAdams warns Democrats not to move too far to the left. We should so, we should preface this by saying this is a new segment on Brigham Young Money. Yeah, this is the official uh, inaugural reading series. We are. I'm usually this is usually an anti reading podcast unless it's um, you know Burgess Owens book. Uh, Hooligans of Kandahar. Yes, exactly. Usually we're against reading, but we're going to make an exception uh, for this incredible, incredible article. We're, we only stick to right wing propaganda and also books our friends write. Um, other than that, don't read. Yeah. It, it's it's a waste of time. The Too only many thing words, I read. no pictures. Very bad. <laughs> the only thing I read are my posts. Yep, absolutely. So this is how it starts. Democratic Utah Representative Ben McAdams ran for re-election this year as a political centrist with ads that featured endorsements by Republicans plus calls for parties to work together. That fell short against a right-wing Trump warrior, Burgess Owens. Oh, and fuck. Also, and also <laughs> How did that yet. work out, dipshit? Still, McAdams doesn't regret those tactics and even says the future of Democrats, both in Utah and the nation, likely depends on moving away from the left to the center. He says the future of the nation and fixing a dysfunctional Congress may depend on it too. He says the first and the first and most important thing is to be authentic to who you are. And I am a centrist, says McAdams, whose campaign spent $5.3 million on his unsuccessful run. I would also say that's a recipe for success politically. He lost to Burgess Owens. He lost to probably the most like embarrassing candidate to ever lose to in politics. He lost to a man who admitted to having brain damage in legal documents. You know what? If I had rampant diarrhea or like IBS or something, I probably wouldn't go on like or, or go have an interview with a paper on like how not to shit my pants. That's right. Like That's he spent right. millions of dollars. The DCCC spent millions of dollars on this race and he yeah. fucking blew it. Yep. And yeah. now we have a QAnon congressman. Like, how is that a recipe for success politically? What the fuck is he talking about? Uh, yeah. Ugh. It's really beautiful. So while his election defeat changed his career trajectory, because apparently he was banking on this for a long time or something. Now McAdams, he has to learn to code. Yeah. McAdams isn't ruling out staying in a political arena. Thank God. His personal plans are in flux. And he says, quote, I'm looking at all the options. McAdams, <laughs> a lawyer. I didn't know he was a lawyer. <laughs> says that says that includes possibly returning to private work. And he is looking at possibly joining the, the new Biden administration. If a good opportunity is offered. What is he think him, is going to be offered to him? They're going to let him sweep the fucking floors. He endorsed Bloomberg. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Hell? Hey, listen, uh, Ben. I'm sorry. You, the position of a uh, dipshit uh, conservative Democrat that hasn't really achieved anything has already been filled by Pete Buttigieg. Um, <laughs> we'll see if we have fun, something for you in some department somewhere. He's, I don't know, man. There's literally like, what is the use of this guy? It's it's just it's so embarrassing. Um, he's also considering another run for office in the future. What the fuck well, is he going to win? <laughs> What's he going to go back <laughs> down to like county council or something like that? Yes. He like, is. No, no. Like this is like getting kicked out of the pros and like major league. Like you've been sent down to the minors. Like you can go to the state house, I guess, or state Senate, but you're not getting Congress back. 
Yeah. He's going to push to have Sugar House become its own city so we can be mayor again. Aww. He's going to push out Jenny Wilson just so he can be county mayor again. Exactly. Like, listen, Jenny, I'm sorry, but um, we all got to move down a peg. Oh, man. I don't want to go back to practicing law. <laughs> Whether it's in two years or 20 years, I'm not ruling out the option of returning to public office, he says. Whatever I do, I want to be able to contribute to our state and our community in a positive way. God, could you imagine just can you imagine how just like gelatinous Ben McAdams is gonna be in twenty years? I, I look forward <laughs> to him never winning public office again because people are just so tired of his shit. This is he, this is so embarrassing. He's gonna Even look like, like an Abba Zabba in dude, twenty years. The articles on the, or excuse me, the comments on this article of the trip just are just getting his ass. It's so, yeah, which is like, amazing because like trip tribune. comments are like the most like neoliberal thing ever. Too. I know. It's like <clears throat> it's it's honestly like the K hive of like comment like, sections. Literally everyone can see through this bullshit. It's just so embarrassing. So in the latest tally, I oh sorry, he explains that while he lost, he still outperformed President-elect Joe Biden and other Democrats in Utah whose campaigns were less less centrist. In the latest tally I saw, I was number two nationally in outperforming the national ticket. He says, adding such party data, figured that Biden lost by about 19 points in the fourth congressional, but McAdams lost by one point. I would really love to see that data because everything I've yeah. added up as well, like. 83% of his district was Salt Lake County, like votes cast and all that fun stuff. 83% mm -hmm. was Salt Lake County. He won Salt Lake County by like a half a percent, but then just got shellacked everywhere else, like GWAP County, Utah County, Sampee County, all those other counties that are around. Yeah. So I don't see how he outperformed Biden by 19 points. Like yeah, I really I don't, don't because that. Biden outperformed him in Salt Lake County by three points. So not, yeah. to, not just that, but like, what does it matter? Like, Biden got his ass kicked in Utah. Yeah. yeah. You know, who cares? You, yeah, who and cares? Biden was running on the exact same thing. So I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, great. You lost like your district by one point. That and a dollar fifty gets you a cup of coffee. Yeah. Who the fuck cares? You're no out. One cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, congrats on your consolation prize. Like, like <sighs> I was almost reelected. Yeah, this is yeah. like saying, like, I won a silver medal in a two-man race. Hey, listen, yep. guys, the Jazz could have won the finals in 97. It was tied after game four, okay? We just don't talk so, about five, six, or seven. Yeah, this I mean, is like, one of, like, yeah. BYU almost beat Utah a couple years ago, like, when the score was, what, like, 28-10 or 28-7 in the fourth quarter? They, they almost, almost beat, beat Central Coastal. Carolina, Co yeah. Coastal Carolina by a yard. A yard. But they still <laughs> lost. <laughs> no, it's, it's the dumbest thing ever to be talking like, well, you know, I outperformed the National Democrats. Like, I actually won by a larger margin than Elon Omar, if you think about it, the certain way. Although she's still in Congress and you're on your ass. Yep. That's and the sock, uh, dude. he has the benefit of being a white dude. <laughs> a white dude in Utah. Yeah. Um, a white Mormon dude in Utah, mind you. Running more to the center is where the future of the Democratic Party lies, bridging our divides and bringing us together, says McAdams says. He sees it as the only way for Democrats nationally to make major gains in a country that is roughly half Republican and half Democrat. No, it's fucking not! <laughs> <laughs> oh my hell I, I can't I can't I can't like take this anymore so it's in literally 2010 <laughs> there were 54 blue dog Democrats right so yeah they were seen as like the future of the party because that's who Rahm Emanuel like recruited all to be in there because they were all like former troops or former cops or blah 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 well guess what 
by about 2010, like only 23 of those 54 were left. And then by 2012, they lost an additional 13 seats. Right now, from their 54, they're down to 18. And um, so they, they lost two thirds. Yeah, they lost two thirds. No one gives a shit about that. Like, no yeah. one cares. Like, the Problem Solvers Caucus or the Blue Dog Democrats, no one's buying that shit. No yeah. one cares. Dude. It's like James Carville, just like bullshit lip talk. It is. Yeah. And it all kind of comes back to that, like, whole, like, culture war issue over the Iraq war that kind of happened in, like, in yeah. the Democratic Party. Because, like, a lot of, like, Blue Dog Democrats, including Jim Matheson, decided to stop paying, like, their DCCC dues just because, like, Rep. Lynn Wolsey pretty much said, like, anti-war candidates should probably primary all these people because all they did was vote for the Iraq war and vote for the right. funding and vote to continue the Iraq war. And they were all really just like really sad about that. So they just said like, no, we're not going to do it. Well, guess what? By about 2010, they were all gone. Yep. Absolutely. Dude, this is the most like enlightened centrist bullshit I've ever fucking read. It in my really is. Life. It's all just like. It is so embarrassing. I am. I am stoic. I am. I am very. I am very centered on who I am. Yeah. And. I'm okay with this. Yeah. So he uh, congrats on accepting. You're a fucking loser. Absolutely is. He. Um, let's see. So it continues. It says he acknowledges that Democrats are deeply divided about such a strategy. There's a bit of schizophrenia within the Democratic Party today. He says, with many people who believe that we need to move further left and be equally divisive on the left to match the divisiveness on the right. Like 95% of Republicans love Donald Trump, so I'm not exactly sure what this divisiveness is. They're rude. Uh, he, he thinks Donald Trump can be rude. But, of course, he oh, doesn't shit. actually say. Does, does Ben McAdams really Trump. think, like, does, he, does he think, like, the Lincoln Project is, like, some sort of sign of a schism in the Republican Party? I think so. But he, <laughs> which I'm is just even, reading through this. He doesn't mention Trump a single time in this, does he? No, well, which is even funnier if you saw the article today where, like, uh, there was some sort of ad study on the Lincoln Project. And the results were like nothing they did helped at all. Yeah. Didn't even it, make a dent. Absolutely it, nothing. It was yep, a complete uh, like moot point. Just gigantic rift. And let's see. So uh, McAdam says that that would win races only in Democratic areas. When you think about those lines in districts like mine, he says, it's going to favor the Republican. Okay. Just one again. Can we please talk about Katie Porter and how good she is at just talking about, like she did an incredible thread today about how awful Mitch McConnell is. Um, and as if pointing that out makes you quote divisive, she just won her seat again. And if she weren't running, it would be a Republican. So yeah, she's um, in Buck McCune's old seat and Buck McCune was there for like 50 years. Yeah. There's no, like, the way Ben Ben views all of this is that it's just completely fucking static, and that like um, there's no there's no greater vision to actually change like a district's makeup or like try to get independence or anything. It's just like oh no, this is a Republican district, so you got to be a Republican, unless you're me. But he lost anyway. So and like <laughs> despite the fact that like progressive policies won all across the board, well, like yeah. look at. Yeah, like look at look at Florida where like Trump won, but they also did uh, a fifteen dollar minimum, minimum wage, minimum wage. and yeah. we saw marijuana legalization. And you know we talked about it too. The Fox News exit poll where seventy two percent of the people supported Medicare for okay. all. Okay, yeah, like, we're gonna get into all that stuff right oh, after yeah. the, Jesus. this article because it, this like his his little left right 
fucking spectrum is goddamn garbage. <laughs> no, it's it's scrambled. It's it's horrific, actually. Yeah. I mean, you think about it for more than five seconds. Yeah. So he he continues on and says, um, let's see. While he says some people in both parties want to continue partisan fights, he believes most voters sent, quote, a very clear message that Americans want us to end the divisiveness and the fighting. And the party that eventually leads on that will be the most successful. What's that say about your loss then? Yep. Like, quote, well, your, yeah. your whole campaign was like, Republicans like me. Well, obviously not enough because you fucking lost. This is, the, oh my God. This part. Again, this it's is all like, just it's, cope. I know. It's the, it's the Coke versus Diet Coke argument, bro. Yeah. Like they're yeah. not, you're, you're not going to get, like you're people just, aren't, aren't going to buy the knockoff when they can get the real thing. Fucko. Exactly. Exactly. There are a lot of people who are ready to come together to end the divisiveness. McAdams says they are tired, exhausted by the chaos and controversy and are ready to work together to solve our challenges. Even more important than helping to win elections. McAdams says a move to the center may help heal the country and dysfunction in Washington. Congress is incredibly broken, he says. Why? I don't. I think people don't seem to talk to each other anymore. I would really like to know what Ben McAdams thinks our challenges are as a country right now. Yeah. Like, I don't think he knows. <clears throat> like, I honestly, he either doesn't know or he doesn't want to know. Yep. He, he just absolutely doesn't care. I mean, it's the way that they land. just focus in on these, like, um, you know, these, uh, the respectability politics because there are some, like, brown and black women who are new to Congress who piss off a bunch of people that all apparently makes it their fault or something. It's, it's fucking insane that he's it, it, like, it's just such a God, this, this shit just makes me so sick. No, it's, it's incredible too, because you think about like the things that like Democrats and Republicans come together for. Yep. It's, like what did they come together on this week? Oh, Jordan, you mean that $741 billion defense bill? Oh, that's weird that they were able to get that passed. A veto-proof $741 billion defense bill bill got a veto-proof majority in the House this week while we are literally fighting for scraps, potentially a $600 stimulus check, which isn't a stimulus check. It's a life-saving check for a lot of people. They've slashed it from $1,200 to $600 and also slashed unemployment as long. And um, liability has been is going to be completely taken away from corporations that endanger their employees. So it, it's kind of it's incredible far. that we're still spending that amount of money on defense. Like it hasn't even like gone down at all. And we have like 10% of the amount of troops in Af Iraq and Afghanistan that we had at like the peak yeah. and yep. spending is higher than it was then. Isn't speaking, that wonderful? Speaking of that, that spending, I tweeted this out today that America's second stimulus package, which who knows when this is actually going to get delivered, is reported at nine hundred eight billion. <laughs> America's estimated 2020, 2021 military spending is nine hundred thirty four billion. Oh, yeah. So I guess our plan for COVID is we just have to have every single citizen in this country register as a military contractor. Yep. And then we can get the COVID relief then. Probably more. Guys, uh, I, I was waiting to say this, but um, I think now is as good a time as any. I have actually taken a job um, as the CMO of Raytheon. Hey, congrats, dude. That's awesome. Dude, nice. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that defense contract money. I'm gonna get the all the vaccines. I'm gonna be like the kid making the That's suicide great. drink at Maverick, just pressing all the buttons at the same yeah. time. That's beautiful. Um, and I guess all I can really say is 
sucks to suck guys you should make some uh you know weapons that don't discriminate on gender or we're actually sex. launching a war on covid nice that's great oh man that's that's great news for all of us i was thinking about this the other day where uh i watched Schindler's list not that long ago and the whole premise of the movie is like schindler's like making shells that don't work for the nazis even though like he thinks he's gonna get caught eventually well, the thing yeah. is with like the American defense infrastructure, like he could do that forever and never get caught. Yep, he really yeah. could. Um, so yeah, he he continues. Uh, he says it's important to elect people willing to work across the aisle, and that could be advanced by electing more candidates running from the center instead of the extremes. He literally thinks this as so linear, like literally in the room of Congress where they sit on the sides of the aisle. Like he literally thinks that like. Somebody standing in the middle, like just being like, I like both of you guys it is somehow beneficial for the average American. And it's fucking not because we just, know what the point of all of the power in this country generally is going to. Ben McAdams entire political ideology is the Kevin Costner movie swing vote. Yeah, dude. Yes, it really is. He's you, the you that he's the meme of like the leftist talking about like, I just want people to have health care. And then like the the like super right wing Nazi guy being like, we need to preserve the white race. And then he's like the centrist in the middle who's saying like, these are the same to me. Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, let's see. So he says that when he was a Democratic state senator in the heavily Republican Utah legislature, he had to learn to work with the other party to accomplish anything. I was able to do that because I built a strong, built strong relationships and was able to listen to feedback from other people and usually was able to adapt my ideas or my proposals in a way that could garner broader support. People they liked tolerated me because I was... you. Yeah. They didn't like listen to you. They just like tolerated you more than anything else because they had the votes to do whatever they wanted to. It was like, well, let's see what Ben McAdams has to say. Doesn't matter because we're still going to vote this proposal through anyway. But yeah, go ahead, Ben, while I just play solitaire on my computer. Yeah. Um, but McAdams says he finds that few members of Congress now even sp now even speak to members of the opposing party at all, let alone try to forge alliances. Why would you? Why? Nope. The only thing you forge alliances on are things that one that you can message on incredibly uh, strongly. And like, for example, a thing you form an alliance on is Bernie Sanders signing um a bill with mike lee to end our support for the war and genocide in yemen although that's that, something although that's that kind of went to the wayside today when today. mike lee said that like yeah we're gonna i'm okay with giving the united arab emirates yep. a lot of weapons including f-35s what's the worst that could happen yeah now he, i'm not he's, yemeni he's exactly that you don't forge alliances on like no. these these concessions to corporations especially it's, it's not disgusting. in the house like I can see like alliance forging in the Senate because you need 60 votes to get a lot of things done, but yeah. you don't need that in the house. Everything is simple majority. What is wrong with you? Yeah. So um, he basically goes through this, the rest of this where he talks about how the, the latest redistricting that took place in, in Utah, how the Republicans just completely fucked the entire thing. And that there was a, there, there was a, a Utah ballot initiative for an independent organization to redistrict our congressional districts and um, basically the Republican legislature just said, fuck you, we're doing it again. Um, doesn't matter. Like we, they just changed, like we passed the initiative and they, the, our legislature repealed it. And they just said, yeah, no, 
just a golden retriever ass view on power. Like they said, we will. Re- you can recommend shit to us, but we can ignore it. Yeah, which is probably why, like the entirety of like Ben McAdams' experience on the hill, anyway, was like they're listening to me. They're not listening so, to you. Yes, and so his words about so I mean he has a, he is there is our, our our congressional districts in in Utah are a joke, and Ben McAdams' his district, the fourth congressional district, is a joke as well. But um, you know the here here's the strong words that he had to say uh, about you know the Republican legislature completely fucking this Utah ballot initiative. We should respect the independent commission that was created by the voters and allow it to do its job to draw boundaries that ref- that reflect communities of interest, not political interests. McAdam says, <laughs> "I hope that's what happens." Yeah, we all hope that's what happens. But um, I'm shit in one hand, wish with the other. See what fills up first. Ex- okay, so that that immediately made me think of a Joe Biden tweet the other day, <laughs> and he posted a fucking video that I'm not going to watch, but. The, the text says, my dad used to say, Joey, I don't expect the government to solve my problems, but I expect it to understand my problems. Folks are out there aren't looking for a handout. They just need help. They're in trouble through no fault of their own, and they need us to understand. To, to say that in the middle of a pandemic that all people need is understanding is is like, like this is no wonder Ben McAdams lost. No wonder uh, Joe Biden barely won and Democrats got fucked across the board with congressional and Senate seats because they're just fighting for hope is an understanding. Is that, is that really where we're at? Like we, I mean, like I, it's insane. Luke Savage like tweeted a good response to this and do, well, it was from earlier, but he essentially said like Adolf Reed jr. Once remarked that liberals don't really believe in politics anymore, just in bearing witness to suffering. Yeah. Just saying you, you're, you're, you, we hear you and we see you. We see your suffering and we hear you and it's bad. I want to understand your suffering, not help you with your suffering. I not do anything about Adolf it. Adolf Reed Jr. is also fantastic. And, yes. Uh, had a really good things to say. I, I think it was in his book like a long time ago, writing about Obama when he was just a state senator, actually, in particular. He wrote about him. But anyway. Um, what would, Hold what on, would just you, real quick, because I'd like yeah. to go on record saying that Joe Biden's dad is a bitch. <laughs> If he was so smart, why is he dead? He gave he gave his son the middle name of Robinette. Um, so what we want to end on real quick is just to talk about this um, this spectrum of politics that Ben McAdams has in his head and this incredibly um, disingenuous and complete bullshit uh, spectrum of left and right politics and how Ben McAdams thinks about it. The way that he thinks... I, I I mean I, I have a really hard time trying to understand what where he actually gets this instead of framing things on like you know what could actually help American people and help people and not not because essentially the way I think about it is in this right to left type of um, you know thing that he talks about is that on the left you have policies that directly help American people and on the right you have anything that helps corporations. That's 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 like what this in my brain really comes down to. Yeah. And I don't know how the fuck Ben McAdams can see himself. Oh, did he have that quote in here about the free market? Um, I didn't see the quote different? about the free oh, market. Oh, it's in there. a different article. But, I'll, I'll yeah, I, I know which one you're talking about. It's a doozy. But yeah, like you're talking about too, like the spectrum, the way I kind of perceive it myself is it's humanity to inhumanity. Yeah. And like that's a, and 
moderation is pretty much like trying to find the, the, the counterbalance between like how we should help people and well, what if it raises the inflation like a quarter of a percent? Like that would yeah. be bad. Yeah, he, he it was back when I think it was when he first uh, oh, it was when he conceded. He said his message for the National Party, he said, is is quote, we need centrist free market approaches to solving our greatest challenges if we want to win districts like mine. Because things have been going like what is this actually about? Is this about winning your district that, which apparently uh, is not how you win districts like yours. Cause that's what you fucking ran on is the, <laughs> is the, is the message to win this district or are we actually fighting for something here? Like, are we trying to, what is Ben McAdams greater political project? Is it to actually uh, get rid of human suffering? Because that would be my political project if I were running for office. Like, what the fuck is Ben McAdams actually trying to accomplish? Free market or whatever. Um, no, Ben McAdams is going. To, yeah, Ben McAdams' objective. He said to, that like a fucking two weeks ago. Like, yeah. look at look at a, look around you. What the fuck? Yeah, his objective to governing is the same as it's no different than Spencer Cox. His objective is to get reelected and also like to be civil about it, whatever civility means to you. He could have run on like he fucking wasted his entire this two years he had or whatever to just do nothing. He no. he voted to support funding for ice concentration camps. Was that was that the brave centrist position that we needed? Do you think that you couldn't go make the case publicly to your district? Oh, uh, let's see. They're uh, kidnapping children and people are and children and families are dying in these cages. And I said, no, I stood up against more funding for them. Do you think that the people of Utah couldn't understand that at any level? Like, what the fuck? If you said, if you went up there and said, oh, I'm actually uh, not going to vote to give um, these gigantic corporations complete liability protections over workers that they have killed. Do you think that people couldn't just be like, oh, that does make sense to me. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself one of those AOC socialists, but that seems like a common sense thing to me. Like make the fucking case. He just accepts all this as some fucking truth because, uh, I, and I don't know why at all. He's just like a Reagan Democrat, but like, he just accepts these things and everything is completely static and you have to just like tiptoe around or whatever, instead of making the fucking case for yourself, even like someone like Katie Porter, like go on bully pulpit, go on stage and make a fucking case for yourself and your politics. Kyle, he doesn't. I, I, I think you're just uh, understating the importance of studying the impact of altitude and suicides oh while God. also not looking at any <laughs> other sort of like thing that causes suicides in this country. Did we talked, did we talk about that on here? Yeah, we, we did. did. It was great. We sure did. Fucking you know Christ. what? And this is why Ben McAdams won't have a job next month. No, it's because the thing is, like, if you look at like Utah too, as well, like the amount of people who didn't vote in this election, if they actually count as a voting block, would come in second place when it came into like the in like votes cast for like a statewide election. Like there were still seven hundred fifty thousand people in the state who did not vote at all. So great job there, but also they made no effort to try and like expand those voting bases at all either. No. And that's because there's street fight radio said something once and it stuck with me very well. Like a uh, murder Brian on Twitter. Uh, uh, he said that if you make less than like $30,000 a year, why do you vote? Like explain to me why someone who makes less than $30,000 should vote in an election because 
what good is voting for Ben McAdams going to do for you? What Literally good is nothing. voting for Burgess nothing. Owens going to do for you? Absolutely nothing. And look yeah, at, either candidate isn't going to change your life at all. And look at like Ben McAdams district too. Like a great like frame of reference for that's like the amount of poverty and hunger that's in Granite School District. Two thirds of the kids in Granite School District rely on breakfast and lunch for sustenance. Not qualify, rely on it. Which means that's their meals for the day. 54% of the school district is in poverty. And that's most of Ben McAdams district. You're telling me there wasn't shit he could do. And he's literally talking. He loses in the midst of a, an unprecedented like global pandemic and um, societal collapse. And he's talking about free market solutions. Like his response to getting COVID himself was we need to be more fiscally conservative about this. You beep this out in post, but some like, in a just world, he would get a fucking, he would get absolutely in a just, in a just society. Because when you say that, like that there should, and please beep that out in post. Um, he <laughs> like to say for like, look, fucking look around you. Like, look how much wealth billionaires have amassed this year. Free market libertarianism is, is that is, is just billionaires hoarding everything while people in his district are completely are are starving and and on the streets literally and having their shit just completely destroyed by by cops like yeah i don't i don't those. see what's moderate about having large swaths of americans without health care or food security or homes or living wages none of that seems moderate to me that seems pretty fucking extreme to me yes like why and anyone still defending like healthcare that's tied to your employment during this insane time like how the fuck are people like have you has anyone tried to pay for cobra like has anyone oh, even Jesus. like looked at those numbers yeah it's great like, to pay for like rent twice it's 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 fucking insane that you could defend a system that is failing this this many people like this no, it's, it's absolutely insane and it, he thinks he's a goddamn genius for it that's the most infuriating thing is that he's so sensible and he's so smart and that he's just everyone around him is so extreme and divisive and he's just so smart and above it all and everyone else just doesn't know the secret to really getting to the heart of American people and it's not actually fighting for policies that help them it's not actually um no. you know Fighting and, these in, in the wealth inequality that we've that is just completely unprecedented as well. That we're like looking at French Revolution levels of wealth inequality. He's literally just thinking he's a goddamn genius because he says, you know, I have worked with Republicans before and I've like, you know, we got breakfast together. Yeah, our brave moderate is making speeches to the Sutherland Institute, and that's like Ben McAdams, despite his like ploys and and his like chest thumping about being sensible and and being such a moderate is he is a microcosm of of a much bigger problem that you know you touched on with murder brian like take if you're somebody who is impoverished or somebody who is making thirty thousand dollars and like you lived through the obama era and like nothing in your life got any better in fact your life got shittier and shittier and then you lived through the Trump era and it got even worse. And now you're dealing with COVID and you don't have a job. And so you're looking at the left and there's nothing there for you. And you're looking at the right and there's nothing there for you. So you throw up your hands and you say, 
I'm fucked regardless. Fuck this system. And there are so many people like that who have just been completely broken down and by this by this yeah, system. Yeah. And and no. the fact of the matter is, if you want to be effective as a politician, you have to offer people things. Something, you have to anything. offer them a path to making their lives better. That's why, honestly, why Obama got elected. It ended up being total horseshit, but the hope change thing really resonated with people. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why, like, the whole, like, narrative around 2016, I think, was flawed, too, because everyone talked about, like, all these counties that went from Obama to Trump, and I don't think it's because people came out to vote for, for Trump because after they vote for Obama, it's because they checked the fuck out. Yeah. It's like, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? They put, they invested in this one person who they, who they thought like, okay, this is it. All the years of shit we've dealt with, with the American political experiment, we can finally get something that's actually going to help us out there. And when they got jack fucking shit, they just went fine. I'm done. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> And then you look, again, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but you look at the progressive policies. You look at policies that will actually help people's lives. Medicare for all, uh, rent assistance, $15 minimum wage, uh, marijuana legalization. And they're all like top of the list as far as support goes. Like people are clamoring, are are on their hands and knees with their hands out saying like, make my fucking life better. And and that's even against the entire like indoctrination that we all have to fucking Uh suck up from like any type of uh, any, any media really at all. That's like in the somewhat mainstream consciousness that just cannot frame a question about Medicare for all as being for what it is. No one has to defend the status quo. You only have to defend something that will radically help and improve people's lives. Like no one it's, it's, it's completely asinine that that Joe Biden was or anyone on stage that didn't support Medicare for all wasn't asked to defend the current system. Like it's, 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 it's just, but to, to the point, to the point though, uh, I mean, you're getting, you're getting debates on like MSNBC and Fox and like, look at their investors. Like NBC, MSNBC is owned by NBC, which is owned by Comcast. Do you really, and like a huge chunk of their advertisers are health insurance and health industry. Yeah. And like, do you really think that like, there's going to be pushback there? Whoa, 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 Greg. That's not ideal capitalism. That's crony capitalism, which is somehow different, okay? We need to find the idealized version of capitalism, which allows for, I don't know, competition or something. That's right. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Ben Ben is like one of those people who believes in being a smart consumer when it comes to making healthcare decisions or whatever the fuck he says. Like, check the ambulance prices before you call or determine which hospital you get taken. It's just... It's just completely ridiculous. Well, His entire left to right spectrum is is completely based on manner, uh, mannerisms and how um, and the people that upset him. It's never about like actual like economic policy or anything like that. Yeah. While we live in like a society where Uber is launching an ambulance service. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's bleak. Um, they are. Yeah, I know. I know. I but like, I mean, and it. it and it's really hard to, I mean, you look at the, what so many people in this country who, I mean, I don't know how many people, but people that like talk about the, uh, the Obama legacy. And that was supposedly the best we had to offer. And like, 
what's left in that in the wake of his presidency is literally nothing. So, um, yeah, anyway, oh, boy, that was a, that was a cheery episode we got. I actually feel better now. I kind of do too. I yeah. like needed, <laughs> needed some, uh, you know, that was yelling that, today. There was that tweet that came out, you know, that kind of went viral about like, why do men start podcasts instead of going to therapy? And I feel like this episode is, uh exhibit a yeah i sent that to my fiance and she responded back with i've been telling you this for months i i also like this yeah i couldn't i couldn't yell about ben mcadams to a therapist that would just be unbecoming so (laughs) your whole system is corrupt too because i gotta use insurance to talk to you yeah absolutely i mean i'm not paying 500 dollars an hour to tell my therapist how much i want local politicians to suck me from the back I'd rather just buy an xbox that's right dudes rock 2020 oh do. man yeah it, it's good to kind of get a lot of that catharsis out because honestly i'm glad ben mcadams lost he deserved to lose i like, too dude i'm so sick of his shit that is it's just... it's really the funniest possible thing it really I is know. like it, we now have like a guy whose brain capacity is greatly diminished due to him like thrusting his head into other people's shoulders and head areas for 20 years he's gonna get along great with diane Feinstein. oh he's also part of the new like fifth version of like the antithesis of the squad i think they're calling themselves like freedom fighter wait did they say freedom fighters i can't remember i know let's see the death squad they're calling himself the freedom force oh my god that just sounds like some sort of like Guatemalan hit squad from like the 1970s. Which one of them's Magneto? Dude. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Anyway. God. All right. Oh, yeah, it, it sounds well, like something that like Pinochet called his like his like coup force or something. I know. It really does. It sounds like someone who fought against the Sandinistas for real. <laughs> okay. Well. It's been a good one. Boys, have a great night. Hope everyone has a great night too. Stay sane. One more thing really quickly. It looks like the Utah Department of Health is actually doing uh, free rapid COVID testing. You get your results in 20 minutes. It started on December 4th at the Utah State Fair Park, building number 51. That's 155 North, uh, 1000 West. You can register at immunize.utah.gov slash COVID testing, or you can also just DM me. I'll, I'll post the flyer um, that you can scan a QR code and register there. Um, hit me up if you need to get tested. Um, otherwise, yeah, go to the website I just mentioned. We can put that in the show description. But yeah. That's very good. Awesome. <clears throat> All right. Bye, everyone.
you left a number 